Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, this is November Movie Club. Hi, Desi. Hi. And this week we're recapping 1992's The Hand That Rocks the Cradle. Did this movie give you, like, the location was very um, The Crush? Okay. I was gonna, <laughs> right? I was going to bring up the location because I'm pretty sure we mentioned in The Crush that Seattle was a very hot location to shoot movies in, in, so, in the early 90s. Yes. But it, it was just such Crush vibes. Like, not the story, obviously, but it's like you could tell they were made around the same time. Yeah, because this came out a year before The Crush. Yeah. Um, obviously like there's a ton of movies, Sleepless in Seattle, obviously came out the same year as this, or this, a year after this film, there's like a lot of like, I think Sliver takes place or at least in Northern California. Uh, Yeah. It's the look of that, like the houses, the greenery, like it's very green and lush. Yeah. Whenever I see movies, I'm like, I want to live in Seattle. It's so beautiful. (laughs) It it definitely looks really pretty there. Yeah. I've never been. I've been. I do like it there, but it's it's not cheap. Like right. I remember looking there. I was like, oh, I could live here, and it would be much cheaper than L.A. But it's not. It's <laughs> it, not. No, it's really expensive because there's a tech industry is there. I think. Right. I do think it's a good idea to shoot thrillers in Seattle because you can add a lot of drama with the rain. Yes, and all the water too. The water and. Just like the fogginess of the area sort of like sets this like tone. Yeah. We have to go to Seattle because it's also a very good food town. But yes. let's get into it. Okay. So this movie starts off with just shots of this empty big white house. And we see a guy riding a bike with what looks like a dog house, some kind of trunk attached to the trailer of the bike. And he's just riding around. In this really nice neighborhood. It's a really nice neighborhood. We see the big white house, the exterior of it. And then we go inside and there's actually people in there this time. And mom is making orange juice, watching TV in the morning on that tiny kitchen TV we all had. The tiny TV that's really deep. Yes. <laughs> we had the, I, you know what? We still have that kitchen TV. I'm not joking. I My think mom we've discussed does. this before, but I, I think we need to bring back the TV kitchen, a kitchen TV. Like, I agree. And not just have a laptop. Like <laughs> You put your laptop in the kitchen? Sometimes, yeah. Oh. Not to watch TV necessarily, but sometimes I'm looking at recipes or, right. but I have watched things. If I'm doing a lot of cutting, I'll like sit down on the table right. and cut while I'm watching. Oh, I always just, now I just listen to podcasts while I cook. Yeah, it's always things I don't have to literally like watch, really. Right. Um, we would always have like cooking shows on yes. and stuff. So we meet the dad slash husband whose name is Michael, and he's shaving and singing songs from the HMS Pinafore, which I realized is like probably the most popular musical among old straight guys. Why do they love that musical so much? They love 
Gilbert and Sullivan too. They think it's so clever. They like clever lyrics. And there's a very particular type of person who's really into Gilbert and Sullivan. Like Aaron Sorkin is really Ugh. into him. Wait, is that a fact? <laughs> yes. Oh my God. He has that it, sounds it's, made up. It's, no, it's not made <laughs> but, up. But like I believe he it. He references it all the time in his shows, possibly his movies. I don't know of enough about he that. Does. But it's definitely in seven, what's it called? Sunset Strip Show. That Studio show, 60. Studio 60. It's definitely in that. It's probably in West Wing. But you know that type of guy. Absolutely. Because it's intellectual musical, I think, in it's, their opinion. Right. They think they're above it all because they're like, that's the musical I like. You can like that type of musical <laughs> and, <laughs> and still be cool. And they've never seen any other musicals before. No. But they, and they look down on them. They look down on them. So that's why I like immediately resented this husband. I totally placed all these like judgments on him. He... I mean, he he does the right thing a lot, but sometimes I'm just like, come on, dude. He's kind of pathetic. He he does a few things throughout that I get irritated with. So he's singing while, his, while he's shaving and his daughter's watching. The man who was riding the bike knocks on the door and no one answers. And he goes around to the window and the mom sees him and gets scared because he surprises her and orange juice goes flying everywhere. And dad's like, what's going on? And he's like, oh, hi. And he brings the guy in and he's like, honey, this is Solomon from the Better Day Society. It's like a, it's like an organization that helps people with disabilities get work, I guess. They never really say, but it seems like that's what it is. Yeah. And Solomon is here to help build the new fence and like paint the house. Yes. So we get this very unnecessarily long scene of Solomon like going over the dimensions of what this fence is going to be in the yard. Yeah. I w- when I was watching this scene, I thought I'm already really scared for Solomon. Me too. Me too. <laughs> I was scared for him because he's like, he's, he's just, very innocent. You know, yeah, he's very innocent and you know, he's like a good guy. So you just know, Oh God, this is the character where something bad happens right. to them. And he also says something ominous. He says, do you want the fence to keep people in or to keep people out? These thrillers are so nail on the head. <laughs> like, because you know, it's not, it's not like you don't, you know going in what this movie is or any of these movies. So when you hear lines like that, it's just like, okay, we get it. Right. <laughs> at the doctor, next we're at the doctor's office. This was wild. This made me sick. This was, I think, the most fucked up part of the movie. This is one of the most fucked up things I've ever seen in a movie. And I I'm agree. not exaggerating. Like, I agree. It was so realistic. It was so... And its creepiness. It was so realistic, which was shocking for a movie like this, where it's an overall pretty ridiculous movie. Um, and it just... I was surprised at how much they showed of this happening. It wasn't like it was implied, necessarily. No, and I... She's, so, she's such a good actress... Annabella Sciori, uh, yeah, that I think she really nailed it in yes. the scene to, to how uncomfortable something like that is and how it is such a violation. Even though if you hear it, you might be like, oh, you're probably just misinterpreting it. Uh, but when you see it, it's like, that's, no, that's wrong what he's doing. Like, right. You know what I mean? So, also, we didn't know she was real. I didn't know she was pregnant until this scene happened. Yeah, she's pretty early along. She is showing a little bit, but... Um, 
Claire is the mom's name. She goes in to get a pelvic exam, just like an overall exam. Well, she gets a, she's going to a new doctor, and that was actually the first indication something was off because she's like, well, you don't usually have a pelvic exam at three months or whatever she was. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I always do that for new patients. So it starts off with a weird vibe. It's unsettling. Yeah. And this doctor walks in, and he's like very trying to be like, smooth with her and just not doctorly. Like I've had uh, pelvic exams from male doctors before and it is like very clinical and matter of fact. But immediately as soon as he starts like touching her, he like, she lays down on the table, he opens her, like her blouse is open and he starts uh, examining her breasts and it's not in a way that a doctor examines your breasts. Also, it's not something you need for a pregnancy check. This is no. not a yearly appointment where you're getting things done. Also, he gets rid of the nurse. He gets- makes sure the nurse stays gone for a bit. Right. Yeah. And so he's like feeling her breasts and he's not feeling it in a doctorly way and he starts trying to make small talk with her, but Ugh. the way he says it is like very like horny. He's like, the weather's been beautiful, hasn't it? And then he's like, I love to do a walk in the rain. Yeah, it's like don't small talk someone when you're examining them. I'm sorry <laughs> at all. Like yeah, and and then he goes and does the pelvic exam and before he goes in there he takes his gloves off, which is not what happens. Like the gloves stay on. No, that was sickening. This made me sick. Um, yeah, this scene was very good. It was a very effective scene. In and then when he's like examining her, he's also rubbing her belly. Oh. It was just revolting. It was revolting. And so she walks out in a panic because she just realizes that she's been sexually assaulted by this doctor. Right. And she starts wheezing. And what was weird about this scene is they were playing like a voiceover of wheezing, but we didn't see her <laughs> wheezing. It was sort of like sound effects of wheezing. I, I don't have asthma, but is that, do you get these attacks just from being like anxious sometimes? Because this is like a big plot point in this movie. Every time she gets anxious, she has these attacks or it, these wheezing attacks. I'm sure. That's scary. Like That's really scary. So she, we see, we're introduced to her asthma in this scene because she takes out her inhaler and sucks on it and... I mean, one of my favorite things in watching these movies is being like, that's going to come into play. Back. There were, there were, we're going to talk about the various things in this film that both of us, I'm sure, were like, that's coming back. Yeah, it's that's, just very obvious. The asthma was the first thing where I was like, that's coming back. Um, so she tells her husband about the assault and he's like, we need to file a complaint. And then later at some point, this must have been like, some time has passed because it's nighttime and we see the doctor in his house standing by the window and the TV is on in his house and the TV is a news report talking about said doctor being accused by one of his patients. And after being accused by Claire, this patient they're referring to, he's subsequently accused by four additional patients. Right. And I was shocked in this news report that it showed, like, this isn't something you do. It's like, we keep victims' identities private for a reason. Right, and they posted a picture of her. They literally, (laughs) in this news report, like, this was so wild. They post, like, they show a picture of Claire, like a headshot. I couldn't believe that. This is the woman who accused the doctor. I mean, I know they had to, to make the movie (laughs) happen. 
But that would never happen. It would never happen. I don't even think back then it would happen. Like she would still be a Jane Doe, right? Absolutely. If if it came out, I believe it would be like a tabloid type thing. It wouldn't be a real news station that would publish her fo- photo because it's not uh, needed information. Do you know what I mean? Like right, and it's not like she came forward in like an essay about him. Or like a, tr- it was not a trial or whatever. Like, yeah. Uh, so. Um, so then we see the doctor's hand grab a gun on his desk and he kills himself off screen. And after the gun fires, we see on the desk photos of him and his wife. And his wife is Rebecca de Mornay. Yeah. Who we will meet very soon. The next day, Michael is reading about the doctor killing himself in the paper. And then we see Mrs. Mott, the doctor's wife, played by Rebecca de Mornay at her at the lawyer's office, and it doesn't look good for her financially. Right. So the estate is frozen. It's because they're expecting lawsuits to come in, probably like malpractice lawsuits or whatever. Right. And we learn that Mrs. Mott is pregnant, and as she's walking out of the office, she faints, and then she's rushed to the hospital, and she's like, my baby... And we get all of these scenes. We get this scene of her like in the gurney at the hospital begging for her baby's life, intercut with all these happy scenes of Claire and her daughter Emma and her husband Michael with like rubbing her pregnant belly. Also, one of Claire topless in her rocker just sitting there. Yeah, like she's not even. <laughs> it was so weird. Just, I was like, it's not their fault. She's having a miscarriage. Right. Like it was like, look at these people enjoying life while she's having a miscarriage. Right. After her husband assaulted several women. Like, um, but uh, what? Uh, Mrs. Mott loses the baby. Obviously. It's a very um, bloody scene, too. It's violent. But it's also kind of fake blood looking it's it's very like it's uh, ridiculous it's over the top but it is like really fucked up um mrs mott is in the hospital and she sees a news story about claire see this is why you can't just go posting pictures of these like accusers around yeah yeah it's like why are they still posting her picture it's just so weird like every time they mention this doctor on the news they're posting pictures of the victim and claire's the one who started it all if you want someone (laughs) yeah if you want someone to yell at here's the lady um six months later solomon is at the house he's still working for the family and we see the baby claire's baby in the bassinet everyone's hanging out in the kitchen and we get a little scene that's going to come back at the end like a th- this is another yeah. instance that <laughs> will come back, I guess. But Claire is like Solomon. You're not supposed to pick up the baby, right? For- I guess it's against the rules of the I guess better he- day society. Yeah. Um, and then we learn that Claire wants to build a greenhouse. And and this was the third thing where I was like, this greenhouse is going to oh. be a plot point. The greenhouse is the carousel of this movie. <laughs> Like it is in the dark room. Yeah, totally. It's the carousel in the dark room in the crush. I was like, that greenhouse is going to become a huge liability. Right, because we get a lot of shots of the greenhouse just apropos of nothing from the top, from the side. Like This is is something I love about these old thriller movies is that these like sort of creative ways and creative um, buildings or like creative structures that can add 
like a sense of peril that are like end up being like deadly somehow, like the dark room in the crush and the carousel in the crush and the greenhouse. Also, the greenhouse was in I Still Know What You Did. Yes. Right? Because she's on top of it. Yes. So glass, you don't want glass. You don't want the glass. (laughs) Um, I was excited to figure out how they were going to use the greenhouse to to hurt somebody later. Michael tells Claire he wants them to hire a nanny. And... Of course, Emma, who is bonded with Solomon at this point, wants Solomon to be her nanny. And they're like, no, honey, Solomon can't be your nanny. We need to hire a real nanny. And it's at this time, after Emma gets on the bus to go to school, Mrs. Mott appears from behind the school bus after it drives away. This is an insane meeting, because basically Claire is chasing the bus because the daughter forgot the raincoat. And the bus suddenly stops because this woman randomly got in front of it to stop the bus and Mm. she kind of pops around the corner. Yeah. And then, I I mean, we'll get into this right now. Yeah. She's there to talk, to interview for the nanny appointment. And not to victim blame Claire, but (laughs) I just feel like this was very irresponsible of her to hire this woman. Incredibly irresponsible. This woman who introduces herself as Peyton Flanders... Because obviously she's not going to say I'm Mrs. Mott, Dr. Mott's uh, (laughs) widow. She's like, I'm here for the nanny job. And Claire's like, oh, I didn't even know we had an appointment to meet today. She's like, well, we didn't. I, um, And she's like, I'm not with an agency. So that's like the first red flag. Right. She's not even with an agency, which is like... You know, the reason there are these agencies is because they do these background checks. Right. And they're all vetted. And they're all vetted. And so she's like, I've only ever actually worked with one family. The reason I found out about it is because I overheard some nannies talking in a park about this job. But she still doesn't explain. We never really find out how she knew they were looking for a nanny, period. Right? No. Because she's not really a nanny. We don't find that out. And that was like a plot hole for me. But she finds out somehow. She finds out somehow. It's not that big of a deal. But the big deal to me, like we said, is that this is very irresponsible of Claire. I just don't know any mom who would be like, well, then let's just come in and do the interview then. Yeah. <laughs> like, she would, Or without doing your own background check or something. like Anything. like, Or at least like say like, okay, well, can you come back? Can you sign up with an agency first and then come back to me? Or did they never check with the other family that she supposedly worked for? It's just weird. No, it's really dumb. So she's like, sure. Well, I guess we could do an interview. Come on in. And they sit and talk over tea. And Peyton says that she lost her husband and her baby. So she's like telling a little bit of truth. But And that she loved her old nanny job so much because it's the next best thing to actually being a mother. See, I found that creepy. It was all <laughs> creepy. It was all creepy. And another thing that happens in this scene that we know is coming back is Claire's earring falls out. Yes. Because <laughs> there's just no reason for it to happen yeah. unless it's coming back. Yeah. I mean, it came back pretty quickly. Yes. But it sort of plants the seed that like this bitch is about to start Finding ways to like plant things on people. Yes, this is this will be Peyton's mo. She's very aware of what's happening and how to use things to kind of create a sense of chaos and like make Claire very unsure of what's happening. I uh, thought, even though I don't think the execution of this movie was good in a lot of ways, like I thought it was 
not it obviously could have been way better. I do like the idea of her um maliciousness being carried out by creating psychological unease and discord. I agree. I do like that as well cuz it's uns- it is unsettling because it makes you realize how trusting you are in day-to-day life with everyone. Right. You don't expect people to do things like that, those small little things that you know, make you set you off into like a paranoia or whatever, or create discord between family members. Yeah, you just don't expect it to to happen. So right. you're trusting. You leave your stuff around. You whatever. So Claire gives her a tour of the house. She tells her that she's building her own greenhouse and she's going to be very busy. So she needs help. Um, Claire has to excuse herself and. Peyton hears the baby cry and walks creepily over to the crib and she's like mesmerized and she's broken from her trance when Claire comes back to introduce her to Solomon and when she shakes Solomon's hand, he gets paint on her shirt and she's fucking mad. This is the first time we see her kind of really snap. Yeah. We see her her two-face and she's so mean to Solomon. Here's another line that I was like, this is a, this is a threat where she's like, it's okay. Anyone can have an accident. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, he's. I was like, she's gonna stage an accident with totally. Solomon. I was very worried, which for him. is very easy because he's a handyman, so he's always on a ladder. We like, always see him on a ladder. Yeah, and just like very. Uh, no, one thing I was curious is like, do you think it was good or bad that we knew who she was when she came in? I was going to ask you the same thing. Because I almost feel like, why do we, we shouldn't know who she is initially, maybe. Uh, I don't know, though. It could have been, they could have worked in the doctor molestation storyline first in a way that made sense in some other aspect. Like it could have tied to something else that they, for the plot. And then had this new character introduced, and then at the end it's revealed that that's the wife of yeah, the doctor. I was surprised that they told us who she was. Like, we knew who she was when she showed up. Yeah. The, the, the one thing that I guess, I mean, was good about the backstory of her, even though I do think that it should have been something that's revealed, but it is good. Like, at least we have, like, a motivation. She's not just psycho bitch. I like having the motivation, but I do feel like it would have been better if we thought Claire was losing it. I agree. Uh, I just, it's not a typical way a a thriller usually would operate. We should rewrite this. (laughs) I'm just, it's shocking that I was actually like, they're telling us this now? Like, (laughs) yeah, there, there, there are some good ideas in here, but we should, I think it would be like interesting to restructure this and redo this movie. Um, So, Solomon is immediately freaked out by her. He catches on, I mean, obviously because she's aggressive to him. Right, but he's intuitive. He is intuitive. About like bad people, right? Like, yes. Uh, who aren't safe. Yeah. We see Claire breastfeeding and Peyton is just creepily watching her. Ugh. Claire then invites her to dinner that same night to meet the rest of the family. And we see, later on we see the kid, Emma, go, I'm in charge of the salad dressing. She's making, this is a big deal. She talks, she mentions this twice that she's in charge of the salad dressing. Yeah. Um, And Peyton is helping prepare dinner and she says, what does your husband do, do for a living? And Claire's like, he works for a biotech company. And Emma's like, daddy is a mad scientist. 
And then the dad arrives home. This dad is very early 90s with his beard. He's like a, he has a beard, but he's definitely like a beta type. He right? ha- and <laughs> he's he, gentle. He's gentle and he has like, he he's doing the look of like the tweed blazer with the jeans because he's like, I'm a professional, but I'm a Seattle professional. Yeah. I mean, I actually thought he was kind of attractive, but I don't know who that actor is and I don't know that I've seen him in anything else. Yeah, um, I agree. Um, he's fucking playing the HMS Pinafore at dinner. <laughs> This the husband. Yeah, he's playing it like at full blast at dinner time, and Claire uh, leans over to put the baby back in the bassinet, and she drops one of her earrings, like her little stud earring, and Peyton sees the earring drop mm. but doesn't say anything. Claire and Michael are discussing what they think of her in the kitchen, and meanwhile. We know Peyton's up to something because she gasps and she's like, oh my God, he had this in his mouth. He was about to swallow it. It's the earring. I'm just like, (laughs) the idea that she bent over the baby and it fell out. And then this baby is like three months old. Yeah. It can't pick things up and put it in its mouth. It would have had to literally fall right in his mouth. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And it probably, it's just like an insane, but obviously parents would be scared. Of course. And this kind of nail, it seals the deal. They're like, oh, she's good. Yeah, she knows. We got to hire her. We don't need to do a background check. Because she, yeah, because she also kind of um, slightly, like she plants the seed of like, Oh, you're too busy of a mom. You're not going to notice these things. Right. I need you need my help. And maybe part of the reason they accepted her on on these conditions is Claire was technically always going to be there. She kind of just needed a mother's helper. Yes. But yeah. So the next day Peyton moves into the basement of their house. And then we see like that night slash morning, her alarm go off at 3 a.m. Right. And she comes in, she brings a wind chime. That's like her house gift. Oh, right. She brings, a, I, she like installs a wind chime, one of those that everyone had. We had one. It's just a wood one with the, the rods that are like bronze or whatever. Yeah. It's a very classic. I also, <laughs> I did think the basement room, even though it was cute, was kind of creepy. It was creepy. How it was sort of all the way back in. <laughs> This weird area. It was very dark in there. Yeah, but the room was cute. um, She's moving in there. Her alarm goes off at 3 a.m. And Peyton's just lurking around this dark house. And of course, she finds her way into the baby's room. And we see her pick up a pillow. And the way she's holding it looks like she's about to smother the baby. But then she just gently places it in the crib. But she covers the monitor. The baby monitor. She covers the baby monitor. This is also a classic movie move, looking like someone's going to smother someone with a pillow. (laughs) That happens in a lot of movies. A lot. And they always hold the pillow like you would if you're going to smother someone, but you would never hold it that way to just place it behind someone's head. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's always holding it like that. (laughs) I think the most stressed out, one of the most stressed out times I've ever been in a show is like in Ozark. I think it might be season two or something. Maybe it's season one, actually. But when the preacher character is baptizing his baby in the in the water, oh. and he holds him, he's holding him under the water for a really long time, and he's like gone crazy by this point, and you think he's going to kill the baby? Yeah, that is stressful. And it takes so long before he pulls that baby out. Yeah, I was like, I I almost had to turn off the show. Yeah, I 
am very sensitive to smothering or drowning type things. Yeah. I don't like watching them. Yeah. Um, then Peyton unbuttons her nighty and starts nursing the baby. Another classic move. Of like a cre- a creepy, <laughs> creepy of a creepy unhinged woman. Yes, because we know at that point that she has been keeping her milk going long after her baby has passed. Yes. Uh, and that takes a lot of effort to do. Right. The next day, the family and Solomon are working in the yard. We see them set up a birdhouse that we both thought that would come back later, but it didn't. I think you said that. Yeah, it I was think it was sort just of like a to show like, oh, a nice family lives here, just like the birds. They always come back every year because you guys are my friends. Yeah. Like- <laughs> and um and we just see Peyton lurking in the background. And she's all we see also like a lot of her giving looks with Solomon. Like, I know you know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you better I'm on to you. Yeah. And like don't fuck with me. Right. That night, Peyton is in Claire's room as she's getting ready for double date night and she spies she's like staring at the red dress that that Claire's gonna wear to dinner it's like a sexy going out dress yeah and she's like staring at it menacingly and then she starts scoping out all of Claire's beauty products on her dresser and she sees the poison by Dior that's how you know it's 92 I know that's what I wrote (laughs) I actually, when I saw that, I was like, I really want to get that perfume. I have it. I was obsessed with that perfume when it came out. I have my mom's, I have a bottle of my mom's poison from like the late 80s. It doesn't smell good anymore. Do they still make it? Yeah. Okay. They make, they have, and they launched like a million offshoots of it. Yeah. Like I remember when I was in high school, they came out with hypnotic poison. Ooh. And that was my friend Christina's signature scent. And it smells like you know, cinnamon buns or whatever. It smells like vanilla-y. I don't even remember what poison smells like. It's I, spicy, right? Yeah, it's like a spicy, sexy perfume. Uh, I think I was just attracted to the gothness of it because it would tip like most perfumes were very um, light and bright, like diamonds or rich kind yeah. of the ad advertising, and this was like goth kind of. Yeah, <laughs> it was like supposed to. I feel like it was Dior's. Opium. Yes. Like just very spicy. <laughs> Those perfumes from that period of time are just excellent. All, the advertising is just so stuck in my head. Like they don't make fragrance ads the way they used to. No. My favorite fragrance ads were the Lolita Lempica ones. They were just like super <laughs> like uh fantastical looking. And I'm, and the Moogler ones were the best. I mean, the ones that stick with me the most are the Elizabeth Taylor ones. <laughs> they were just so dramatic. They were so dramatic. Because they had these little stories, like, these have always given me luck, and she's just throwing her diamonds around. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What an era. Um, so she has this poison perfume. Claire and Michael's friends are joining them for dinner, and Claire has her red dress on, and she notices a stain on the dress, and she's like, oh, I must have gotten perfume on it. Yeah. This is like a big blotch of oil. It's like, huge. It's huge. And she thinks it's just from her hands rubbing on it. Um, we know. We know that Peyton did that when she wasn't looking. I mean, that was so petty. It was She's so like, petty. And you're not going to wear your hot dress. <laughs> like, um, the dress 
that she does end up wearing is so is like not an equal like it's not a lateral move it is like such a downgrade it's like she went into allison's closet on melrose (laughs) that's what i was thinking it looked like an allison dress it was a frumpy floral it was like you don't have another dress that's similar or a a little black dress dress. you had to go to a frumpy floral it didn't even look like a nighttime dress it was a day dress i also feel like obviously this woman would have had a dress but the writers wanted to make it like an even more of a burn. Like yeah. she had no choice but to wear this and look frumpy. Like it just she wouldn't have happened. She looked awful. She would have put on a skirt and a shirt or something. Like it would have looked better than that. She would have had at least one other option. I believe so. I can't believe that move, that, that downgrade. And she, she added a hat to it too. Like she's fucking blossom. Wait, she added a hat? I think she had like it a was hat a shawl. on too. It was a shawl. It was a shawl? She okay, added a yeah, shawl. Maybe, yeah. It looked dumb as hell. Um. Anyway, so we meet... Claire and Michael's friends, their longtime friends, Julianne Moore and her husband. Who's horny. Who's super (laughs) horny. He's super horny. And Julianne Moore's husband um, says to Michael, maybe like when he sees the the nanny, he's like, maybe we should go ahead and have kids. And Marlene, who is Julianne Moore's character, is like... What is wrong with you? Yeah, she's over it. She's, she knows her husband's horny for this nanny. And he, this guy, I don't know the actor's name. But I feel like he's in a lot in very similar roles. Yes. Just like the asshole business guy. He's the asshole <laughs> business guy. And um, I was excited when Julianne Moore showed up. I didn't know she was in the movie. Same. And she's on to Peyton immediately. Look, Marlene is my type of gal. I love Marlene. <laughs> I love this awesome. character. Yeah. As soon as she meets Peyton, she's like, you're wearing poison. That's Claire's perfume. Yeah. Claire comes downstairs in her hideous floral dress, and my the husband's reaction was so funny. Because he's like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, he's like, you're not, what, what happened to the red dress? And she's like, do you not think I look good? He's like... I guess. Like No, he's like he backtracks real fast. Yeah, he's, he's like, like you're you always look- beautiful, honey. Yeah. <laughs> Not that beautiful. <laughs> she looked like shit. I'm sorry. It made me upset. I, I mean, was, she's a hot woman. Yeah, she's a very attractive woman. I just think that I'm yeah. still upset about this dress. No, sh- this dress did nothing for her uh, at it, all. Especially when you saw what Julianne Moore was wearing. She's in like a hot little number. Yes. It just they didn't go together. Um so Later, Peyton is watching scary movies with Emma, and they have this little moment where she's like, we'll keep this our little secret. Yes. Another subtle move. Another subtle move that she's creating this like separate sort of bond with the daughter, and now they have secrets together. And she then asks Emma, I love that she's asking this like six-year-old child about the like relationships between the couples, like she would know or have this kind of insight. But yeah. this, but this six year old girl is like wildly insightful for her age. Yeah, and she's like, oh, I know, she's I like, know shit. Yeah, this, <laughs> the six year old's like, I have the tea. Marty, she's Marlene. like Marlene and Michael used to date. Yeah. How does she know that? The only way I can tell is if it's something they joke about a lot. Right. Uh, that maybe it's a running gag because it does come up a lot. Yeah. So we find out that Claire's husband, Michael, used to be, when they were like teenagers, was in a relationship with uh, Claire's best friend, Marlene. And then Emma tells Peyton about a mean kid at her school named Roth. 
And she's like, he's a bully. And my mom tried to help, but she couldn't. And this is an opportunity for Peyton. Yeah. (laughs) To one-up the mom. And and let me tell you, the minute this was said, I was like, I was excited to see this. I was like, I want to see this scene badly. I just wish it it ended more dramatically than it did. It's pretty funny, though. It's (laughs) it's very funny what happens, but it's not like I would have gone the extra mile. That was an opportunity to go the extra mile that they definitely missed out on. Yeah. Marlene... Lights up a cigarette at dinner, and and she tells and she tells Claire, "Oh, never let an attractive woman take a position of power in your house." She's like scolding her. Why'd you hire this hot nanny? Yeah, you She's, never. Yeah, you never do that. Marty would have fucked her day one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, Marty's like you know antagonizing his wife. Like Marlene's not much of a cook. And then Michael lights up a cigarette and he's like being bad because he's not a smoker, but he sometimes smokes when they're out with Marlene. Yeah, especially Marlene. Because Marlene's a smoker. And then Marlene's like, oh, what's that saying? Oh, yeah. The hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that rules the world. Yeah. So we get a title drop. We get a title drop. Uh, I don't know what she's saying because technically that might be about mothers, but she's applying it to nannies. Yeah, she's a, she's <laughs> applying it to nannies in this situation. We also there's something. Is Marty the one who's like a wife? Basically, like you just need to give blowjobs and make homemade lasagna or something. Yeah, and, <laughs> and th- yeah, and that's why he says Marlene's not a good cook. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess she gives a good blowjob. That's good. Um, back at the house, Peyton is nursing the baby again. So she's like doing this regularly now. Yeah. The next day, Peyton takes the baby out on a walk, and she meets another mom. And the mom says, just assumes that that's the mom of the baby. And she's like, oh, he has your eyes, you know. And Peyton's eyes light up. And she's like, do you really think so? Yeah. So she's like already considering herself this baby's mom. And this is like the first time we've seen her not just being evil, but actually believing the lie, I think. Yes, yes. Yeah. At school, Peyton is pushing Emma on a swing and she points out Roth, her bully. <laughs> and she and Peyton like just marches over there and he's hanging out with some other kids. And she grabs this kid very violently by the arm and drags him away. And then she, and he's like, Owie. And she's like, leave Emma alone. And if you don't, I'm going to rip your fucking head off. <laughs> she pushes him against, because they're on these stairs. Yeah, she, so she <laughs> takes him around to the wall of the stairs and pushes him against it. So all the kids are looking <laughs> over laughing. Because he was just bullying those kids <laughs> right. on the stair. Yes. This is the dream. This is the dream. This is the dream. And then when she walks away, they're like, ha, ha. Yeah. <laughs> that was really funny. It was that, so funny. That was really funny. And it is... It is. There is something so comical about seeing someone in a movie say, "Like to a kid, I'll rip your fucking head off." It's so. It's. It'll never fail to make me laugh because it's just so Cause forbidden. Because it, it's so over the top. And sometimes a kid needs a little talking to. Well, they, this, they push it too far. This kid was a little shit. He's a bully. Yeah, uh, he's a so bully. Um, I don't feel bad. She didn't injure him seriously. She. <laughs> she just embarrassed him in front of all his. <laughs> kids he was bullying Uh, emma is pleased further solidifying her bond with peyton see my mom didn't do jack shit this she went to the principal yeah she did the right thing (laughs) 
She did the like normal mom thing. This yeah. lady fucked this kid shit up. Absolutely. The next morning, Claire notices that her baby doesn't want to nurse her. Yeah. And is like not comfortable around her. He's like, that's not the nipple I like. That's, that's <laughs> not my nipple. Claire asks Peyton if she's noticed anything different about Joe, which is the baby's name. It is funny to call a baby Joe. Yeah. Because you would do Joey probably, right? They called him Joey once, but they're like, is Joe? I just picture like an old guy like, hey, Joe. Yeah. I think typically it would be Joey, like a baby, right? That you would call the baby Joey. I guess, yeah. But yeah, it does sound funny. Joe, it's like a plumber. Yeah, it's like a plumber. (laughs) Um, Michael was up all night finishing the EPA proposal. Here's a great trope. Another great trope that I love from these early 90s thrillers is the dad or the husband's work. Yeah. Just like his work life that we get and something wrong is going to, we know something wrong is going to go down with his work. With some random proposal. It's always a proposal. (laughs) Like it happened in the crush. Right. Where his like article got deleted or whatever. Right. or, Or something happened like that. I feel like something else we saw too where something wasn't turned in on time. I can't remember which movie it was. Yeah. So he's like, I got to go to Federal Express. I was like, Federal Express? Oh, FedEx? Federal (laughs) Express, yeah. He's like, I got to go to Federal Express before the lab. And Claire's like, oh, I'll take your proposal. And Mm. she takes the envelope full of these important documents that he has to send in like immediately. But she's going to do it for him. Claire, they don't really act. I still wasn't like, well, why didn't he just take it? She like volunteered when it seemed like he was going to do he it. He was going to do it anyway. So it seemed unnecessary. Yeah, she just offers to do it for him. Claire then goes and spends the day with Peyton at a greenhouse, a different greenhouse, and she volunteers there. And the baby's also with them. And she tells Claire that. I'm sorry, Peyton tells Claire that her husband was her only family. And then she says, he was murdered. They Mm. never caught who did it. But I firmly believe that what goes around comes around. Claire doesn't realize she's talking to Claire. (laughs) Yeah. And um, Peyton, at that point, runs off to the bathroom. There's like a little bathroom in this greenhouse. And she is holding Michael's EPA proposal, and you think she's going to flush it down the toilet, but instead she just tears it up into a million pieces and like throws it all over the ground. Like someone's going to find that, right? It could be Claire. It could be <laughs> like what is stopping Claire from being like, I got to make a pit stop at the bathroom before we leave. It could definitely happen. She just tears it up, and it's not even all con- the p- paper isn't even contained just to that stall. It's like everywhere. Yeah. Um. She just rips it up. And then she takes the plunger and starts beating the shit out of the stall. She really loses it. And she's actually cracking the walls because it's like a cheap plywood door yeah. and stall. And it's damaging it. Yeah, <laughs> It's she, just like, why would you make such a big production? It, all she had to do was like go to a random trash can and throw this thing out. That's it. She just had to keep it in her pants or wherever the fuck she had it yeah. and throw it in the trash later. That's it. I think she lost it talking about the husband being murdered yeah. and just was out of control. That night, Claire tells... Oh, I'm sorry. They go to FedEx on the way home because Claire has to drop this thing off. And Claire can't find the envelope, obviously. And Claire gets really stressed about this and she starts wheezing. Yeah. 
and she's like gasping for breath and she's like, I can't find Michael's proposal. So that night she wait, has- wait. <laughs> while she's stressed though, Peyton is holding the, the baby butt, and the, the butt, butt <laughs> is just there, just hanging out. In the frame of the film, this baby butt. What is this shot? What is this shot? It was so... Because I think she was like, I'll change the baby. But I was like, why was she then holding a baby without a diaper, first of all? That's dangerous. You don't know what's going to happen. But then in the car window, we just see this huge baby ass... Well, Claire's having an asthma attack. It's just it, such a, it's fu- It's so funny because it's like, this is a film. Yeah. Like this might happen in real life, but that was a choice they made. It was a, It was an artistic <laughs> choice that was a bizarre one because it's like half of the screen is this baby's ass. Imagine seeing that in the theater. <laughs> like a, it would be so t- huge. 15. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Rakuten's Big Give Week is back with 15% cash back. It's a festival of savings with big cash back at hundreds of stores. Don't miss headliners like Canon, Fenty Beauty, and Dyson. I can't wait to shop for all of my summer fashion and beauty needs, and we'll definitely be checking out Ulta and Adidas. Rakuten really is the best way to shop. You can really save by stacking cash back on top of other deals. And during Big Give Week, the cash back is bigger than ever. It's the time to shop for everything you need for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. Membership is free, and it's all happening May 6th to May 13th. Join today for free and get an extra 10% cash back boost on top of Big Give Week cashback rates, go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app today. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Rakuten is the shopping platform to save while shopping. I'm the queen of starting a free trial offer and forgetting to cancel it, oftentimes being charged for months for something I'm not even using. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. With Rocket Money, I can see all of my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, I can cancel it with a tap. I never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill, and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. It's definitely saved me money, and now I can use that money to waste on things I do want. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. That's rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. Foot tall, baby butt. <laughs> like... 
It was the full on crack and baby ass. It was crazy. <laughs> it was just such a bizarre shot. Um, that night, Claire has to tell Michael that the proposal just disappeared. And honestly, I was a little let down because I thought this was going to like cost him his job. But he's like, well, I guess I'm just going to have to wait till next quarter. It was such a, okay. Like, okay. He's like, he was like a little annoyed, but whatever. It wasn't like, like a disaster. It didn't affect their relationship or his job. No, so. he never brought it up again. I'm sure Peyton was very irritated that she went through all that trouble. Right. <laughs> the next day... Claire is like, I'm worried about Joe. I'm worried about his eating habits. And Michael's like, well, you should call a doctor. Um, at the lab, Peyton stops by to see Michael. And, of course, like we see one of Michael's coworkers, and he's like, who's that? Hubba hubba. Another horny guy. Another horny guy. And she's like, Michael, can I talk to you in private? And she tells Michael that she wants to throw Claire a surprise party. And she asks if Marlene wants to help out. And Michael's like, that's a great idea, but you should make it seem like it's all Marlene's idea because she's like, likes to be in control. Now, I have to say, I didn't get the full effect of what she was doing here. But I this didn't really, this really leads to a lot of issues. I, this was like, did she have all of this foresight of what was going to happen? I mean, that's crazy if she did because it does. It, once things started happening, I was like, damn, like, did she plan all of this? Because this is incredible. It's just an incredible Rube Goldberg machine to make, right. to make this happen. So it just seems weird that this was like her plan. Um, and then when she walks away, he stares at her. Yeah, they look deep into each other's eyes as if like they're about to kiss, but they don't. The, and that, yeah, that's right. That happens first. And then she walks away and he like watches her walk. Like yeah. it's the 1950s. Yeah. It's, a, it's <laughs> like, totally what happened. Because she's just in like a skirt. <laughs> right. Uh, at the house, Solomon's painting on, on a ladder and he spies Peyton in the baby's room breastfeeding baby Joey. This reminded me of Game of Thrones. <laughs> like this, he was, he's Bran. <laughs> this was a total Bran moment. Like she could have just gone on and pushed the ladder. I thought that's what was going to happen. Yeah, because it was totally like him on a ladder going like, <gasps> like yes. seeing her. And she obviously sees him. He does drop the paint, I think. He drops the paint. And then when he drops the paint, she sees him. And so she's like, oh, he's really on to me. Yeah. Emma comes home from school and she's like, Solomon, you want to see my sculpture? And... After Emma goes inside, Peyton corners Solomon because she needs to like confront him about this. Yes. And she calls him a slur. And then she's like, did you like looking at me? And then she slaps him and she's like, don't fuck with me. And then she says the R word again to him. And so he, she's like really attacking him at this point. And then she also says to him, my version of the story will be better. Right. Like if she try if he tries to say anything, yeah. Uh, she's gonna and she probably would have. Yeah. And he says to them, I won't let you hurt them when she walks away. Yeah, he has this moment like um a little soliloquy. Yeah. When she walks away, he says, I That's won't my let, family. I won't let you hurt them. They're my friends. Aww. It was really sad. Um Michael then the very next scene we see Michael ask Solomon to speak for him to speak with him for a minute. So at this point we're like, oh my God, she did something. Yeah. But surprise, they just bought him a new bike and yeah. Emma helped picked it out. And he is like in tears. He's so happy. 
Like, you can't believe this. Peyton tells Claire that she thinks Solomon is inappropriate with Emma. And Claire's like, what are you talking about? Like, they're friends. He's like a gentle man. He would never hurt anybody. And then Peyton's like, sorry, I'm sure it would be obvious if Emma were keeping a secret from you. Yeah. And that's where the secret thing has been planted. Yes. That night, Claire tells Emma, she's like, Emma, if anything's happened to you, you can tell me, right? And Emma's like, no, nothing's happened to me. But then she also does this really kid actor gulp. Yeah, she does. She does. (laughs) And the mom's like, you know, you can tell me there's no secrets between us. And the kid is like, gulp. Yeah. (laughs) It was was just like, what? It really was a kid actor moment. Um, there, everyone's working on the greenhouse the next day and Peyton asks if Solomon has any batteries in his little cart and she's like, probably. And so Claire goes to check the cart and when she checks the cart, she finds her daughter's panties in Solomon's cart. I knew that that's what she was going to (laughs) find. I don't know. I was just like, she's going to find his panties in there. Because obviously um, Peyton has planted something. Right. The whole thing. I gasped. Um, They also, I have to say, looked like they were brand new out of the package. They looked brand new. (laughs) So they clearly just shoved some panties in there. Right. That were from a package. They were totally from a package. Um, Obviously Claire freaks out and screams. She's like to Solomon, like, how could you do this? And we see Peyton glaring at him because mm-hmm. obviously she's the one who planted those there. And then the next scene we get is the organization that Solomon is part of packing up his stuff and taking him away. Yeah. And so he has to leave. There's like no police. It's weird. There's like no police show up. Like Better Day just comes, collects. They just <laughs> takes him to the next job. Yeah, he just gets collected, and that's it. And um, Emma's mad. She's like upset. In she's this really upset, and Claire is crying. And then that night, Peyton is snuggling in bed with Emma. Yeah, and she's like, "I guess your mommy didn't like Solomon." So now she's trying to pit. The mom and the daughter against each other because Emma loves Solomon. And Emma says, I hate her. Yeah, she says, I hate her. She's mean. (laughs) And then Peyton is still talking to Emma and she's like, my mom died when I was really young. And Emma's like, Peyton, if something happens to my mommy, will you take care of me? And she's like, of course. And I'll take care of your daddy too. Mm. The next day, Peyton talks with Claire about Emma being sad. And Claire is like, she's just so different and angry around me lately. So all these little things have worked. And Claire's relationship is like fractured with her young daughter now with as a result of all this meddling. Um, Michael tells Peyton that at this point, he doesn't know if the surprise party for Claire is a good idea because of all this like trauma surrounding mm. Solomon and Peyton disagrees. She's like, Marlene's already made the guest list. Like we got to go through at this party. Yeah, And it's what Claire needs. She needs this party. Mm. So we see like another day that Peyton and Marlene and Claire have returned home from lunch and they're like unloading the car. And 
unloading the baby and Claire and Joe, the baby is like screaming in Claire's arms. But as soon as he gets handed off to Peyton, he calms down. And Marlene's like, huh? Yeah. Huh? <laughs> Interesting. And, and then we, then we hear the wind chimes and Marlene says, what is that annoying noise? <laughs> and Claire's like, it's wind chimes from Peyton. She's like, hmm. Yeah. And she's like, oh, how sweet. Like yeah. she tries to backtrack. <laughs> Marlene can't come over later for Peyton's famous chocolate oh, souffle because she has to go sell the Fletcher house. And Claire is like, didn't you already sell the Fletcher house? And she's like, mm, not really. Now, this was another... See, when she was t- she mentioned the, the chocolate souffle, Peyton, to Claire, and then yeah. Claire invited her. But that was another subtle way of... Because she knew... Um, Marlene was meeting Michael to plan surprise party stuff that night and that Marlene would have to make up something that would be sus. So yes. that was another good plant that was very subtle. Right. And Clay- Peyton always takes herself out of it. Yes. So Claire is inviting her, even though Peyton re- told her. like, Right. Like, yeah. Oh, I just I'm, thought it was very interesting. Like, oh, this is a big to-do with my chocolate souffle. Of course she would invite her friend yeah. to join to join us <laughs> right. to eat it. Um Peyton makes a souffle, and her and Claire then talk about her and Michael's sex life. And Claire is like, I just feel very unattractive after having this baby. And she's like, I'm sure he thinks you're just as hot as you were the day you met. And then Claire reveals to Peyton that Michael's first love was actually Marlene. But of course, oh no, she asks her to guess. She asks her to guess who, yeah. She asks, Claire asked Peyton to guess who Michael's first love was. And she's like, Marlene. And Claire's like, how'd you know that? And she's like, lucky guess. But to be honest, she's only met other one, one other woman in their life. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it's like, why wouldn't she guess Marlene? That would be the, that would be the logical answer if you're going to guess. Is she going to say like Michelle Pfeiffer? Like, right. <laughs> what is she going to say? Yeah. Who Sorry. is she going to say? Um, that's a really good point. We see Michael at a restaurant planning the party with Marlene, and they're both smoking cigarettes because he's not around his wife, and so he can smoke with her. Um, and he's talking to Marlene about how like Claire hasn't been herself lately, but that Peyton's been great. The help has been great. And of mm. course, Marlene's like rolling her eyes. Yeah. She doesn't trust Peyton. Later that night... And her lighter's missing. Oh, yeah. So Mar- that's something I think she took from the purse... When she got the baby out or something? Yeah, we find out Marlene's lighter's missing. They have to use matches to light their cigarettes. Um, later that night, Claire said that she called the lab, but there was no answer. She's like, Michael, I've been calling the lab. You said you were there. No one was there. But the, Where the hell have you been? And then she smells smoke on him. And he's like, what is this, an interrogation? Yeah. Um. Later, Michael wakes up to a noise coming from downstairs, and he grabs a baseball bat and goes to investigate, but it's just Peyton in the kitchen. She dropped something, and of course, she's wearing her, like, very thin white nightgown, and she's, like, standing by the fridge, and she's like, can I fix you something? And he's like, uh. It's another scene where he's just staring at her uncomfortable like not saying anything so yeah it's really like what is he it's like you're not acting normal he's even not. if she's being inappropriate you could be like oh sorry i'll leave like i thought right. i heard something he, he just is like yeah. he's like lingering yes and so he's like oh, i gotta go back to bed um at the park emma 
and her parents say that they tell Emma, they're like, if you ever see Solomon around, you don't have to be afraid. And she's like, I'm not afraid of Solomon. Yeah. Then we see Claire go to the cleaners and the guy like, okay, this at this scene, did you... Was I the only one who was like, oh, no, there's going to be like a cum stain somewhere? (laughs) I didn't think that. I just, for some reason, I'm like, the cleaner's going to find a cum stain. Yeah. Um, Or something weird. So we're at the cleaners and the cleaning guy is like, oh, there's something in this pocket of Michael's smoky jacket and it's Marlene's lighter. And immediately Claire bursts into tears and runs out of the laundry and starts having an asthma attack. And starts having an asthma attack. And so when she gets home, she confronts Michael and she throws the lighter at him. And she's like, you're fucking Marlene. And it's this like big, <laughs> they're having this big blowout in the kitchen. This was hilarious. This was so funny. I was like, it's daytime. <laughs> like, Dude, okay, 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 wait. Okay. And Michael's like, Marlene, there are people in there. And she's like, what? And he's like, well, now the surprise party is ruined. The living room is full of people. They're holding a huge cake. That is the biggest cake I've ever seen. I was shocked because when he said there was people in there, I just thought maybe it was someone from the Better Day Society or whatever. Like, right. I didn't think it was the surprise party because I just assumed that would be nighttime. Like anyone would? Yeah, but it's a daytime surprise party. Uh, they all overheard her say the fucking Marlene thing, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> and then the best thing is, I kept hoping this would happen, and it does happen because yep. Marlene's husband says, surprise. <laughs> <laughs> it was so great. Everyone is just, sta- when she opens the door to the living room, everyone is just standing in stunned silence because they just heard this fight. Yeah. Yeah, and the one voice is Marlene's husband, surprise, with a question mark, and then everyone else kind of like afterwards is like, surprise. (laughs) Emma's there too. It's It's so funny. And Marlene storms off. Yeah. We see her, because she like, of course, her party is a disaster. Her first mistake is making this a daytime party. That's a bizarre choice. It's crazy. I, why Why did this Also, happen? what were the chances that this would all occur right as the surprise party is happening? Like, just perfect yeah, timing. Yeah, it's way too perfect. So Peyton then um, listens to Michael and Claire talk through the baby monitor. She, like, listens to them talking that night. And Claire is like, I just want to go away. And she's like... She finally notices at this point that there's something weird going on with Peyton. She's like, I don't know, all these weird, wrong things have happened since she's gotten here. Right. Like, she finally realizes this. And Michael is like, that's crazy. But he's like, we can go on a vacation, though. Yeah. He kind of fights her, but then he's like, okay, we'll go on a family trip without Peyton. Yeah. Peyton's alarm goes off at 4.45 a.m. that morning. The next morning, and she goes out to the greenhouse. And we, I was like, what's she gonna do? How, what's she gonna rig? Yeah. In this greenhouse. I thought, I was like, oh, she's gonna like uh, do something with the temperature. She's gonna kill all the plants or like, yeah. I thought she was gonna do something like that. But no, she, what she does is she cranks the skylight open and then she props it open with a shovel. This was another contraption that felt like it was a lot of dominoes that had to fall to make this what ha- ends up happening right. happen like how did she figure- I don't even know how 
If I tried to Set do this up, trap, it, w- it would, I would be not, dead. <laughs> I would be either I would be dead or it just would not work. No, it was basically what she was doing. So is when someone would open the door, the shovel would fall that was holding the um, skylight open. The and crank. It would, the crank. And it would fall down and crash because it would fall down with such a force right. that the glass would break. I just wouldn't have put that together. I wouldn't have thought to do that. No, a typical thing would be like, you could have done um, the thing where you lock them in the greenhouse. And then put poison gas. And put poison gas or bees like bees. they did in the... Um, That's where my mind went. Yeah. That's what I thought was going to happen. Like someone was going to get locked in the greenhouse and they were going to like put poison in there or bees. Yeah. Um, so that's just set to go, this trap, basically. This trap is ready to go. And so we're now at Marlene's office. Marlene's a realtor. I don't she, think we've mentioned that. She's a realtor, and she's going through some houses that are on the market, like pictures of them with their like the little their profile and stuff. Yeah. And she sees Dr. Mott's house is still on the market. And this is a very ugly house. I hate Hideous. this house. And I know, I've seen houses like this. Uh, you see them in like uh at the shore in Jersey. Yes. It's like um it's it's almost has a port ship feel to it, but, but it's a house because it has all the little round windows here, and it's rounded. Here's what this house is. This house is a 1980s deco revival style house. Right. And I don't like this style of house because it's like very modern of that time modern and just sort of... But no character. No character and just not attractive to me. No. I don't like this kind of house. I hate it. But Um, that is the house that that doctor would have probably. A hundred percent. So... She's go. She looks at this house and she notices. I, this was an insane leap to me. I I couldn't believe this leap, and Be- I have reasons. Because, but let's <laughs> because, like I said, everybody had those wind chimes. So the wind chime. She notices the wind chime is hanging on the porch of this. She house. gets a magnifying glass out and sees and is like, oh, "What are those? It's the wind chimes." But here's the other thing. The wind chime looked fine on Claire's house. It did not. It doesn't go with that house that it was hanging on. That's this not is a wind chime house. Modern, whatever, like modern of the era, yeah. right? Not a mid-century modern, but like house with a wind chime. It just doesn't fit. It doesn't at all. Fit. No one would have that fucking wind chime on a house like that. That's not the house for a wind chime. It was crazy. Also, they never really explained to us why she fucking loves wind chimes so much. No, she seems obsessed with them. Quite honestly, <laughs> like, yeah, it's. It's bizarre. So she's like, cancel my morning. And she runs out of the office. Um, Peyton and Claire are at the house. And Claire's like, I got to go run and pick up some seedlings. And then the very next scene, we get a microfiche scene. Mm, Love it. We get a microfiche scene with Marlene. And she's like scrolling through articles. And then she finds the article about the doctor's funeral. And she sees the photograph they've used and it's Peyton at the and it's Peyton at the funeral, aka Mrs. Mott. Yes. And then Marlene, she has no chill. <laughs> she, she gets in her Dude. this scene is great because I was like, this could be from a Betty Davis movie. Yes. It's just her, 
smoke with a cigarette hanging out of her mouth, <laughs> driving through the seats of Seattle like an absolute lunatic. Like Corella DeVille. <laughs> yeah. It was like, there was something so vintage to me about it because it was just hilarious. It, it was an old school moment. I loved this scene of Julia Moore racing through the streets of Seattle. This cigarette, I, I was like on the edge of my seat, like, is this cigarette going to fall and she's going to have to fish it off the floor mm, and then right. she's going to crash? <laughs> that's what that's what I remember. I did have flashbacks to when I did smoke like in high school. Yeah. And it would fall and I'd have mm. to find it on the floorboards. Or the cherry falls. Yeah, the cherry <laughs> falls and you're like, I actually, okay, I actually have a scar. <laughs> I have a faint scar in between my tits. I'm not joking you. I've, I've definitely seriously burned myself from the cherry falling. Yeah. It was crazy. I but have, no, I could have watched 20 minutes of her driving I with a cigarette. I have a faint round oh scar. My God. Like right, I don't know if you can see it anymore. I can't. But like it was more noticeable like, you know, It is before, the but. hottest thing in the world. Ever. <laughs> Ever. And there's something where you're still vulnerable driving. Yes. And you're just kind of popping up and down. And you're trying to like stamp it out. Yeah. It's awful. If I'm like on, if I was like on the freeway and I dropped a cigarette ever, like I would literally grab the bottle of water next to me and just dump it all over (laughs) the fucking floor. Uh, God, I was such an unsafe driver when I was young. Um, Oh my God. Okay. So she's having this crazy car scene. We see Claire at the botanical shop getting seedlings. And the guy working there is like the most early 90s Seattle guy I've ever seen yeah. in my life with his like curly ponytail. Yes. And he's like, oh, someone named Marlene. Yeah. Marlene's called. And Marlene, we saw before, like Marlene, while she was driving the car, she like called Claire's house but didn't pick up. I don't know how she knew she was going to be at the botanicals. I guess because she volunteers there. Yeah. It's like if we called the cat rescue trying to find you. <laughs> call, There's only a few places. Call Santa Door. Desi might be there. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, Peyton is just like aggressively cutting an apple. Yes. With a knife. And then the doorbell rings and it's Marlene. I don't know why Marlene went to the house. I guess maybe she thought like Claire might I have been I guess she hurt. called work and she wasn't there. No, she called her house and she didn't pick up. Didn't she also call her work? She called the botanical place. Yeah, and she well, wasn't the there. So maybe she, she thought, just oh, went she's to the hurt. house. So she, Marlene goes to the house. This is a this is a decision that went, that I hate when people do before they come up with like a strategic plan. Is Me when, too. Is when they confront the villain and say, "I know everything." Instead why? of why do they do this? Especially when they're alone with them. Yes, and I think the only excuse I can give with her is she thought Claire was there. But even still, I would say, let me find Claire first and act like everything's normal. Yes. Never let the villain know. Don't let them know until you have them like dead to rights for sure. Yeah. Or have some kind of backup. Like get your Or you're like on stage in a play. witnesses around like you gotta have like something where you're you have some kind of protection but she's just like alone at the house with her and she's like i know everything and um she says yeah claire's like is everything all right and marlene says no i need peyton i'm sorry yeah peyton says to marlene is everything all right and marlene says no i need a doctor no of any mrs mott (laughs) (laughs) Dun, dun, dun. And she's like, oh my God, don't tell Claire. 
Yeah, she acts like she's afraid. Instead of mad. Yeah. Now, see, what a great moment this would have been if we didn't know she yes. was the wife. Yeah. Yes. So she's like, she's in the greenhouse. Mm-hmm. So then Marlene goes into the greenhouse and the trap deploys and the shovel falls. The skylight closed, slams shut and shattering glass shatters everywhere. And Peyton is just watching this all go down from the house while she's eating an apple with a knife, which is a villain move. And then if we, we didn't know it was a villain move, there's also a crow going... Yeah, <laughs> that crow was so loud. I was like, where did that come that from? That crow would not shut They just up. didn't want to reshoot. Yeah. So they left it in. Um, then we see Peyton going around the house and emptying all of Claire's inhalers. I wouldn't even know how to do that. I wouldn't either. I'd like hurt myself trying to take that apart. Yeah. Um, Then she takes Joe on a walk. Claire returns home and finds Marlene dead. I was shocked that she was dead. I thought she was just going to be like subdued. She doesn't even look that injured. How? (laughs) Like, do you want to see like the knife, the piece of glass in the throat? That's... Or something? I feel like we needed to see when the glass fell, a shard of glass go into her throat, killing yeah, her. Yeah. Because it just appeared by the way the glass fell on top of her, it just looked like, oh, she's going to be cut up bad. It yeah. didn't seem like that was a fatal move. No. And I have seen there was some movie I watched where you actually see the glass cut someone's, I can't remember, but it was really shocking. But yeah, it's like you want to see that fatal blow where you're like, oh, she got really unlucky and now she's bleeding out, right? Like, Right. So Claire starts wheezing immediately when she sees Marlene dead in the greenhouse. And so she runs inside and dials 911 as she's looking for her inhaler, but none of them work. Mm. And then she spies her purse outside and she's like, I got to get out to my purse to get my spare inhaler. But That she, must be so stressful. So stressful, but she can't make it. And she collapses on the porch. And this scene was pretty freaky. It was pretty chilling looking. We just see Claire. She's like a fish, like gasping for air on the porch. It just looked... That was was awful. It was awful. The ambulance arrives and Claire is being treated, but she's in a bad condition. And the cops then see fine Marlene in the greenhouse. Meanwhile, Peyton is just like lurking from around the corner. Yeah. Michael is with Claire in the hospital and she's like on a ventilator but conscious. It's raining. Now it's like raining really hard. This is like the first time it's rained in Seattle in this movie. Yeah. And we just see Solomon standing outside with his bike. And we're like, oh, Sol- yeah. Solomon's back. He's going to do something. Um, For some reason, Michael is like trying to break into the greenhouse in the middle of the night. Like, shouldn't that be a crime scene or something? I don't know what he was doing. Why was he trying to get in? Why didn't he just use the door? I have no idea. He's like breaking the glass in the greenhouse and it's like pouring rain. And, um, Peyton comes out and she's like, come inside. And she starts toweling him off in like a horny way. And she's like, you're soaked. You're so, and then we see her nightgown and it's like see-through cause it's all wet. Yeah. It's just clinging to her boobs, clinging to her boobs. And he says, Peyton, there's only one woman for me. And he means Claire. But she thinks. I don't know why she thought that. Because she's. Because <laughs> it seemed pretty clear she's not he was rejecting well. her. Um, Michael, the next day or the next 
week. I don't know when this is, but he picks up Claire from the hospital. And Emma's in the car and she sees Solomon on his bike and he starts following them on his bike. Right. He's clearly, now he's watching over them. He's watching over them. Peyton is there when they get home and Claire notices that she's wearing her bracelet and she's like, oh, and she's like, oh, I thought you said I could borrow it. Mm. And then she, they go into the baby's room and Peyton is like decorated the baby's room with this turtle trim. <laughs> Those ugly wallpaper strips that people used to do all the time. Yeah. That's very 90s too. For sure. And it always was like pears. Pears. Oh my God, the pears. <laughs> What was with pears in the 90s? You, If you had a dining room, you had to have that like emerald green and burgundy with golden pears. Yeah. Strip of wallpaper. Or you just had to have a basket of fake pears. Yeah. People on your fucking love pears. Pear, like pear glace, the scent from Victoria's <laughs> Secret was like really big then. The other um, wallpaper trim I remember was like the country geese. Oh my God. <laughs> The geese. People love the country geese. They love the country geese. <laughs> With their naughty pine furniture. <laughs> Dude, the naughty pine furniture and a geese motif. And we the, all it was know like that. was a pale blue we, check or something. We all know that family. Maybe you were that family. Yeah. Listening. I, I love a design choice. Write in if you were the family that had the country geese motif with the naughty pine furniture. <laughs> that not with all the knots in it. Yeah. <laughs> and the gingham uh like upholstery. Well, that was like a dusty blue. A dusty <laughs> it was a dusty blue and off-white gingham couch or like curtains. Those Valance curtains. Totally. Do you know the one I'm talking yes, about? They're kind of ruffly. Oh my god. I know them. Write in if you were that family. I'd like to know. Um, okay. So Peyton, they see this baby room that she's decorated. Uh, is he playing the HMS Pinafore again? <laughs> I think he's playing it again that night. Because it's like Welcome Home. Only he likes this soundtrack. Very He's the only one. Like, he hasn't even asked his wife, do you like Gilbert and Sullivan? I bet she would be like, actually, not really. I like Phantom of the Opera. This is something that comes out like 25 years after marriage in therapy. Yes. And, and I like, fucking I hate. I fucking hate Gilbert and Sullivan. You never even asked me. Oh. And we, then he's like, you don't like it? Yeah. <laughs> I, never would have play, I never would have played it if you know. Yeah. Oh, would you? Watch out! Watch out! I asked one time to go see Phantom of the Opera when it was in town, and you said no. You said musicals were for sissies, but we have to hear HMS Pinafore every other fucking night around the dinner table, Michael. Oh my God! See, that's the movie we write. Yeah, I would. Lo- I love a breakthrough in therapy. We get an epilogue in the movie, and that's the, That's what's happening in the epilogue. Twenty years later, they're in therapy talking about the HMS Pinafore. So, okay. Claire is really sus at this point of Peyton. She's very suspicious of Peyton. She, she's like, something's wrong now. Right, because she's like, oh, you could have asked me before you decorate my baby's nursery. <laughs> like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? I don't even like turtles. It's kind of weird. Um, the next day, Claire finds the urgent message from Marlene. Like, I guess, like, she remembers it that was in her... She, she sees it again in her pocket. Because Claire's the type of person who checks her pockets and her laundry before yes. washing things. Not me. Not me. Not. <laughs> do you know how many unraveled Q-tips are like 
hair bands. Hair bands are weird things. I always find things in there. I find all kinds of shit. And they're shit. like pristine, clean. Yeah. Like a penny. Right. A penny. <laughs> yeah. And it's like there's, bright copper. There's always the bright copper penny. Or there's the unraveled like Q-tip or something yeah. that's in the dryer, like exploded. Totally. But Claire checks. Claire always checks her pockets before doing laundry. And she's like reminded that she had an urgent message from Marlene. Um, because up until this point, it seems like she's forgot that her best friend like died in a gruesome death. No one really seems upset about it, <laughs> Nobody to be honest. Nobody fucking cares. So Claire goes to Marlene's office to like get to the bottom of this. Like, what was she doing before she's like, what was she doing before she left the office? Yeah. She's like, let me see her file of facts. Let me see her file of facts. <laughs> she starts rifling through her papers and she sees the real estate listing for this house that belonged to the doctor. And she's like, oh my God, this is the doctor yeah, who molested me. And so Claire just drives to this house. Yeah. They don't even, she doesn't even like, wait, the wind chime. Like she, she doesn't have, she just like goes for some reason. Like I guess cause she notices the name on it. Yeah. But she's looking for information about why, I guess, yeah, maybe she's like, this is why she wanted to talk to me. I mean. I guess so. Um, but how does she make the connection to to Peyton? I know. I, I would be like, I would be more like, I would think maybe, oh, she probably was calling me because she saw this listing. Not that yeah. I have to see it. But right. just, uh, yeah. like Yeah. So, um, and like how, it, like, I don't think she would have understood that there was a Peyton connection at that point. No. Because no. she used a fake name. There's no reason for her to think Peyton is the widow at this no. point. No. So this was, yeah, this needed to be like better, like. There could have been something written on it or right. it's not anything. They could have done something simple. It could have been literally a note that Marlene made that said Peyton question mark. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> something. Like, totally. That's like, all you needed. That's all we needed, but we didn't have that. So she drives to this house and it's so ugly. She meets with the realtor who takes her inside. Like, she sets up a fucking appointment. She doesn't set up an appointment. Oh, she, she didn't? Co- she shows up and he just happens to be there. Another appointment didn't okay. show up. Okay. Because he calls her a different name. He's like, I didn't think you were going to make Harris, it. Mrs. Mrs. Harris. Harris. Right. But it's I like rem- another coincidence, though, where some timing works out perfectly. And so they go into the house and she starts looking around by herself and she goes into the nursery and discovers it's that same turtle trim in the nursery. And then the guy's in there and he's like, he mm-hmm. sees the breast pump and he's like, that's a weird toy. What <laughs> and an she's idiot. like, it's not a toy. It's so she can keep her milk coming. Yeah. She almost immediately knows it's Peyton. How? I, I thought she was going to see a picture of them on the piano that's or something. That's when she should have realized. That's yeah. when she should have realized if she saw a picture of them. That's where I thought this was going. I guess the wallpaper made her connect, but she it, it's not very clear that she connects because until the breast pump. I bet that wallpaper, you could get it like all the baby stores that year. And I bet you they don't have that many baby options. Do you know what I mean? Like it's probably like 10. It just wasn't too clear. Um, this next scene is great though because Claire comes back to, back home and Peyton is like setting the table for dinner time with Michael and Claire just walks up to Peyton and punches her in the face. I laughed. And she I I laughed so hard and she flew across the table and like <laughs> it's like, I mean the funny thing to think of is Michael's probably like what the hell? <laughs> 
Because he doesn't know anything he at this point. He doesn't know anything. They're just happily setting the table. And she comes and literally punches her in the fucking face as hard as she can. And like, she flies. She flies and falls down. We, we saw a funny punch like that. It was in yeah. the carousel room, right? Yeah. <laughs> it was in the crush where someone yeah. gets punched and launched like 12 feet yeah. in the air. It's just a funny thing to see. Mm-hmm. And uh, punches are never like that in real life, too. No, no. Um, and then she says, she's Dr. Mott's widow. And Michael's like, what? Yeah. And then in a last ditch effort to like try and save this, Peyton is like, tell her about us, like trying to convince Claire that like right. she's been having a relationship with her husband. And he's like, leave. I just like, he was like, get out of here. He's yeah. like, just leave. And she's like, well, I have to get. I have to get my baby and I'll be on my way. And they're like, what? And she's like, I mean, I have to get my things. And this is where I give Michael props. He's like, no, just go. We'll send you your things. This was such a smart move. And usually we don't see smart moves like this. Like usually we'd see them be like, okay, get your stuff. Yeah, get your stuff and leave. And then she'd take the And baby. then they would go off yeah. and be completely not paying attention. <laughs> and then their yeah. baby's being stolen. Yes, absolutely. Like what happened in Obsessed. Yes. See, these movies all connect somehow. They like, do. Yeah. So she's like, no, you're going to leave. And then uh, they think she leaves. And she's being like eerily calm during all of this. She's yeah. like, okay. Gigs up. Gigs up. I guess I'll go. And uh, Emma, of course, sees them yelling at Peyton and telling her to leave. And she's like very upset because um, she's bonded with Peyton at this point. Michael then calls the police and they're like, oh, I guess we could send a car over to watch the house. Meanwhile, they're going to go pack up and stay at a hotel for a few nights. I mean, they're still a little lax about where she went. In my they opinion. Didn't, yeah. Because it's like she doesn't have a car. They should have, yeah, they should have like marched her outside of the house and locked the doors. Every door. Every door. Yeah. You get the back. I'm watching her. <laughs> like Right. Um, Michael then hears opera music coming from the basement. So he goes to investigate. Why? Why did he do this? I no one, like, never investigate scary opera music. Honestly, <laughs> the first thing I would do upon this revelation is I'd grab my baby, grab my daughter, and be like, We're, everyone get in the car. Just leave. Just fucking leave. Yeah. Um, so no one's there. Then he goes upstairs. He tries to go up the stairs, but Peyton is waiting, and she hits him in the face with a shovel. That's another classic this, move. A classic move. Meanwhile, Claire is like to her daughter, she's like, lock yourself inside your room and um, she needs to go check on the noise because her husband fell down the stairs. See, at that point also, I'd be gone. Gone. I'm not checking on Michael. I'm sorry. Why is she going by I would herself? get the kids out and wait for the cops at this point. You have to get the kids out. So she, oh, she sees Michael and he's like, really fucked up. Like he broke his legs, I guess. Wait, he, he grabs her ankle as she's walking down the stairs yeah. somehow. But why is he so calm? He's like, yeah, I broke my legs. He's literally, he's just like acting like he's groggy. Yes. And then he's like, I can't go. My, both of my legs are broken. <laughs> if, I was like, that sounds like you would be in agony. Quite honestly. <laughs> he said both of them. Both of my legs are broken. And he has this huge fucking lump on his face from being hit in the head with a shovel. It's like a cartoon lump. 
It's a cartoon. <laughs> Why is he so calm? He's so calm. I was like, that. you're in a lot of pain if you break both of your legs. You're not that calm. He wasn't even like, Ugh. like no, nothing. He like, literally was like, I'm tired. Like, yeah. go- He was like sleepy. Yeah. He I was- would love to help you, but I broke broke both of my legs. <laughs> he, Maybe he was lying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. He, he, he didn't want to help her. He's like, I'm over I'm this. I'm done. Um, so Claire, uh, Emma opens the door. I was like, Emma. Oh. And she calls out for her mom. Claire is calling police from the kitchen and Peyton appears and starts swinging at Claire with the shovel. Then she hits Claire on the back and knocks her out. Yeah. And Emma is watching this from upstairs and she's, and, and Peyton sees her and she's like, it's okay. Emma's mommy's here. She's like, I just want to know where Joey is. And Emma's like, he's in there. She says, you're not my mommy. (laughs) Yeah. She said, well, first she says he's in there. And then Peyton goes into this room to go find the baby, but the baby's not there. And that's when we see Emma, slam the door shut and say, you're not my mommy. And she locks the door. Now, weren't you kind of like, why do they have a door for the baby's room that they can lock it? <laughs> like, I and there happens know. to be a key right in it. Like there's that kind a, of thing. There's a key there. Emma grabs Joe and hides with him in a closet. But Peyton busts out of the room she's locked into with a fire poker. That Why is there a fire poker in that room? And there's a fireplace in the nursery too. That seems with, like, dangerous. Yeah. Why is there a fireplace in the I nursery? I have no idea. Does that exist? I mean, it could be in a room and they just made it the nursery room, but I would make that the master. <laughs> Let's put, put this big roaring <laughs> fireplace in the baby's and room. And have some fire tools. Yeah. <laughs> like have the fireplace, but maybe it's not operational. Yeah. But why would you have a huge poker? Yeah. <laughs> it just seems <laughs> All that odd. heavy. I mean, the baby's small still, but yeah. yeah. It just seems weird. Um. She's busts out of the room. She's looking for Emma. She can hear Joe crying. She there's a fake out because she thinks it's Joe, but it's just the baby monitor. I was also laughing with Emma and the baby because the baby is like half the size of Emma, mm. and she's carrying Joe to the closet. The baby's huge, this huge is baby. A big baby. <laughs> she's just carrying this baby. She's so tiny. Yeah. Then the baby's crying in the closet, and she's like putting the blanket on it. She's like, "Stop! <laughs> Shut the fuck up, Joe." <laughs> And she's like, Joe, shut up. It's a lot to handle. Um, she eventually finds Emma and Joe up in the attic because mm. we got to have, here's the attic the scene. The attic scene. Uh, and Solomon is up there help trying to help them escape. Now, this is where I have to say, maybe Solomon isn't the best choice in this moment because he has Emma on the ledge outside of a window right. on the attic attic roof or right. whatever, and he's handing her the baby. Right. It's like, what is she going to do with a baby on the roof of a house? It's like Solomon. Like good intentions, bad planning. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it, or, it stressed me out. It was really stressful. And then and Emma stays during the whole next scene. Emma is still out on the roof. She's <laughs> on, she's like hanging off of a ladder uh, uh, while, while Solomon's clutching the baby. And Claire shows up with a knife, and she's like, it's my family, Peyton. And then she starts wheezing again, and she's like, Peyton manages to subdue Claire, and she's like, when your husband makes love to you, it's my face he sees. And when your baby sucks on your titty, it's my titty (laughs) he's dreaming about. Um, 
But Claire manages to get up and slam Peyton to the ground. But before that, I have to say, she does burn Claire pretty hard because Claire's having an asthma attack. Yes. And she's like, you can't even breathe. (laughs) It was so mean. It was so mean. But I was like, it's accurate. But damn. Damn, dude. You can't do anything. You can't even fucking breathe. It was so mean. Um, But Claire was faking. She was faking it. But it's like, well, this stress, this is very stressful, Claire. Like, why, was, why were you having an asthma attack here? Not here, but you had one for the lighter? Like, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a fake out. It's a fake out. And because she manages to like get the upper hand and she pushes Peyton through the glass window of this attic, another glass bursting through the yeah. attic scene. And Peyton lands directly onto the fence below. That Solomon built. That Solomon built. <laughs> so it's full circle. It's full circle. <laughs> and Claire's, uh, Peyton's dead. And that that's when Claire tells Solomon that he can hold the baby. And she's, he's been holding it this whole scene. Yeah. And, he, and she says, I trust you, Solomon. I like how this is ultimately a story about Claire learning how to trust Solomon. <laughs> Yeah, because that's the final scene. We don't see Michael again. He could be dead for all we know in the basement. He's like, hey, I'm down here. My legs are broken. (laughs) I can't move. There's not even like a final shot of like everyone getting into the ambulance. Or him being pulled out of the... That's what I was going to... Yeah, like on a stretcher. That's what I was just saying. Like there isn't a final shot of Michael being put on a stretcher. No. Like with the mask on, like in the... He's just down there still. still Everyone forgets Michael. (laughs) <laughs> he eventually starves to death. And that's the end of the hand that rocks the cradle. Uh, yeah. I, mean, I, I had never seen this movie before. Yeah, I realized I hadn't either, which is shocking because I feel like I've seen all of these movies. I was 100% sure I had seen this me one. Me too. Uh, 100%. And I think I just knew so much about it. Yeah, me too. That I felt like I saw it and I've seen a ton of movies like it. And this was such a big one. Right. I just assumed I had seen it. Um, but no, it, I didn't because I didn't know any of this. This hit so many of the uh, 90s, early 2000s, 80s thriller tropes that we've come to know and love. There yes. were a ton of them. There were lots of repeat locations like Seattle, an attic, um, <laughs> greenhouse. a greenhouse. Yeah. So look, it had it all. But it, I would have done this differently. It's definitely um, almost a great movie. It's almost a great movie. It could movie. be a really good movie, it but could it be. just got... It wasn't 100% great. It needed to be more... Uh, I feel like the violence could have been over more over the top. Like there could have been more deaths, maybe. I also think um, that, that failing... They failed in making it super tense by letting us know it was her right away. Right. So we were always expecting things. Yes. I don't know. Like, it, I, don't, like I don't think that was a we good choice. We knew she was evil right off the bat. And it's it's honestly would have liked her to be more evil in that case. Like maybe it would have worked better if she was more evil. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Like I feel like their violence should have been upped. But if we if it wasn't upped, it would have worked better if we thought Claire was going crazy. Yes. And then at some point we find out and we're mad at everyone for not believing her, that type of deal. Right. Um, but yeah. I I loved seeing Julianne Moore. This probably one of her early first early roles. Yeah. Because um, it's not like 
Because she's not, it's a supporting role. It's, it's not a, a supporting role, and it, but it, she still has that vibe. Yeah. The kind of bitchy best friend. I love Julianne Moore. Me too. She's, she's one of my one favorites. Of, me too. Absolutely. She's great in everything. Mm. So, yeah. Um, That's glad we it. saw this classic. Thank you guys for voting. And we'll see you soon with Under the Tuscan Sun. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>